and real life meditation teachings and practice everybody get comfortable remember we're taking this as an opportunity to learn about ourselves the teaching of the Buddha is to learn something about yourself it's not philosophy or uh, theoretical science or so on it's practical. It's meant to help us. So sit down, sit in meditation. Close your eyes. Don't look at me. I'm not going to help you. You have to help yourself. Tonight I'd like to talk about the question, what is Buddhism? question I don't get asked that often. Um, I think it's a rather useful question and it's one that we um, we're often perhaps confused about the nature of Buddhism. And obviously there are going to be many answers to this question. I think that's probably why you don't get asked it and why people don't think about it too much because it's such a, a broad topic. It's very hard to get your head around Buddhism. So the answer that I give is, is I guarantee it's only one of many answers. It's probably not the most all-inclusive answer out there. It might not even be the most, it's probably not the most popular answer out there. But Buddhism for me is something very particular, and so I'm I'm calling it as I see it. Calling it as Buddhism means for me, what it means to me. If you think Buddhism is something else, then so be it. I have no problem with that. But Buddhism, Buddhism as I see it, if someone asks me what is Buddhism, I'd say Buddhism is the teachings of the Buddha or the teachings of a Buddha. I think that's fair. Uh, I don't think that's uh, completely... I don't think that's entirely agreed upon, but I think it's a simple definition and it's one that many outsiders would easily understand. The teachings of a Buddha, and who is a Buddha? A Buddha is someone who knows and as I understand it, a Buddha is someone who knows and understands the Four Noble Truths. A Buddha is someone who understands those things that when understood lead one to, or bring one, transport one directly to complete freedom from suffering. That simply by knowing these things, not simply, but the entire set of things that are required free one from suffering. Upon the realization of these things, one no longer suffers. Basically the understanding of suffering and how it works.
And the question that we often get asked is, is Buddhism a religion? And there are many answers to this question. And these answers are all out there. If you Google it, you'd probably find right away, Buddhism, religion. Is Buddhism a religion? You have people asking and answering. My answer is that yes, Buddhism is a religion. Um, and I agree with some people who say Buddhism is not a religion because it totally depends on what you mean by the word religion but uh, um, the word religion it comes generally from it's generally understood to come from being bound to something and I, I'm willing to bet that that's where the word actually came from that uh, it was being bound to God or being bound to a set of teachings a set of principles a set of, of, of uh, theories a set of beliefs and while Buddhism isn't fixated on the, the belief in God or the, the idea of a supreme being Buddhism is as I see it it's, it's an attachment to certain beliefs and ideas and, and practices and so on to me, religious Buddhism is taking Buddhism, taking the teaching of the Buddhas religi religiously. The things that the Buddha taught, we um, we hold to those. We are restrained by those. We we are bound to the teachings of the Buddha. If you consider yourself Buddhist, a part of the Buddhist religion then the minimum requirement, and I'd say the only requirement, is that you uh, stick to the teachings of the Buddha. And to me that makes it religious. That's qualification enough for it to be a religion. It doesn't have to be faith, it doesn't have to be belief. If you practice the Buddha's teachings out of faith, then you're, you're doing it religiously. If you practice the teachings of the Buddha out of wisdom, you're still doing it religiously. as long as you stick to the teachings of the Buddha or a Buddha <coughs> so the the teaching that I often do get asked by Thai people and it's an indirect question it's one of these funny things about cultural Buddhist people who grew up Buddhist but never really studied or practiced the Buddhist teachings in any great depth they often ask me, how, how would they explain Buddhism in a nutshell to someone who doesn't know anything about Buddhism? How would you explain Buddhism? To, what is the core of Buddhism to someone who doesn't know anything about Buddhism? And this one is, this question is, is answered quite well I think and across the board um, and I think the best answer is given quite often is that the teachings of the Buddha are summed up by what is called the Owada Patimoka the Owada Patimoka Patimoka means um, the code it's translated as code in this case monastic code you could say the, the code of the Buddha 
the real core essence of the Dharma of the teachings of the Buddha and Owada means uh, the speech so this is the speech given by the Buddha that is the core or the code it was to be the, the binding code or the you know, like the Ten Commandments of Buddhism sort of except it's not commandments it's it's edicts or it's um, injunctions or so on it's um, it's laws you could say that the Buddha said this is this this is this and so on and how it goes is the the, the Buddha first sums up his teachings he says sapapapasa akaranang kusala supasampata satita karyodapanang etang putana sasana that the teaching of all the Buddhas, Bhutana Sasana, whether they be in the past or, or the present Buddha that has just recently passed away, or whether they be future Buddhas, their teaching is all comes down to three things. Not doing any evil deeds, number one. Number two, uh, being full of good deeds, and number three, purifying the mind. These three things the Buddha said, this is the teaching of all the Buddhas. Anyone who claims to be a Buddha has to teach these three things. Anyone who is a perfectly enlightened Buddha teaches these three, these three things. It's really not a lot. In fact, one of the wonderful things about the Buddha's teaching is what it's not. From my point of view, one of the great things about the Buddha's teaching is, is what it leaves out, what it leaves behind. There's no excess baggage in Buddhism, in the Buddha's teaching. We Buddhists have put a lot of extra baggage on it. We have these ceremonies and um, practices. But the core teachings of the Buddha are very simple. And if you can follow these three things, you don't need anything else. If you can stop doing all evil deeds fill yourself up with goodness and purify your mind then you become enlightened according to the buddha you are according to the buddha's teaching you're enlightened there's nothing else you need to do so when when someone asks what are the teachings of the buddha these three are the are the nutshell buddhism in a nutshell you can go into the Four Noble Truths and so on and so on, but if you want people to understand exactly what is Buddhism, and they should understand that that's all it is, that there's no um, you know, requirements in terms of believing, believing this or believing that, worship or uh, rites and rituals. You don't even have to call yourself Buddhist. If you do these three things, you're following the teachings of the Buddha. The, the key of the three, the one that really sets the Buddhist teaching apart from other religious teachings or, or according to us it does a, 
I think it, it's not 100% you know, cut and dry, but the one thing where the, where the Buddha really shines, where the Buddha's teaching really shines, is in the purification of the mind. Because it's not something you hear talked about a lot. You might find it mentioned in other religious traditions. But the purification of the mind becomes the central theme of Buddhism. And actually not doing bad deeds and doing good deeds actually becomes secondary or becomes less central to the teachings. Yes, it's important to refrain from bad deeds and yes, it's important to do good deeds. But the most important, by far most important, and in fact the only important thing for you to do is to purify your mind. Because once you've done that, you can never do bad deeds. Everything you do is either a neutral deed or a good deed. You can never perform an evil deed if your mind is pure. And so while it would never do for us to, to ignore the first two, you shouldn't say, ah, well, if you do bad deeds, if you don't think about doing good deeds, you know, don't worry about that. Just try to purify your mind. You, you, you can't say that because every time you do a bad deed, your mind becomes more defiled. And without performing good deeds, your mind will never have the power and the, the, the strength to become free from, to, to be pure. Without doing, without undertaking the first two, your mind will never become pure. But when we want to understand what is the core and what is the most important, it's the purification of the mind. We should never be complacent, content just to be a good person and not do bad deeds, thinking that that's enough. Because inevitably, we, when we are aroused, bad thoughts will come into our minds, whether it be thoughts of anger, hate theories, and, and you know, extraneous, superfluous ideas about what the Buddha taught on the other side. You, know, you get all sorts of things. People say that the Buddha was a social activist. You know, the, the, the outcast in India said he was their champion. In Buddhist countries, we see rituals and 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 you know, even worship and prayer come up. And Buddhism becomes a much fuller um, entity. To to the point, not that these things are 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 wrong. The Buddha certainly was good for the lower class in India, and prayer in, in a certain form, even worship and ritual in a certain form, can be wholesome. But it gets to the point where we, we lose sight of the core. We lose sight of what is the Buddha's teaching, because the Buddha didn't teach us to rise up and raise our status in society. The Buddha didn't teach us to you know, worship him and, and, and perform rites and rituals and, and to pray. The Buddha taught us these three things. And if we do these other associated things, then as long as they have to do with the purification of the mind, then, then they, they, they can fit in with the Buddha's teaching. We often talked about culture. 
um, culture, when, when culture mixes with Buddhism, it's fine if, if culture can adapt itself to the Buddhist teaching, but you should never adapt the Buddhist teaching to fit the culture. Adapt the Buddhist teaching to fit the culture, suddenly you've got people drinking alcohol and, and you know, dancing and, and you know, beauty pageants and so on in the, mo in the monasteries. You have, uh, it's, it can only degrade the purity of the Buddha's teaching. This is if we wish to be Buddhist, um, if we wish to follow the Buddha's teaching. Then we have to understand what is the core, what are the things that the Buddha actually taught. So what else did the Buddha teach? He said this is the core, or he didn't say this is the core, he said this is the teachings of all the Buddha, we understand this to be the core. What else did he say? He said, uh, patience. Patience is the highest form of austerity. Kanti paramang tapo I think no one understands this as well as meditators. And, and in that sense it's spot on. It's the first thing you need to tell a meditator. Patience is the highest form of austerity. Patience is the greatest um, form of, of, of torture. Uh, and one way of, to translate this is, is a form of torture. Because in India they would torture themselves, right? Torturing themselves, saying, okay, I'm going to inflict this pain on that pain on, me, on myself. And actually I would say there's nothing as painful as patience. I would say that because when you inflict pain on yourself, there's some kind of, um, you know, grim sort of, uh, you know, uh, pleasure that you gain from it. This kind of uh, gritting your teeth and 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 so on, you know, inflicting something. You know, you're in charge. <coughs> but patience is the worst. Patience is is an incredible torture. Having to sit through. Having to sit through my talks. For, for minutes and minutes on end. When I was in Thailand, we had to sit through talks an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. And you think that was bad? You think it's, it's bad to listen to an hour and a half talk? They were all in Thai, and we didn't understand a word of it. That's the worst. And so here we are, these new meditators, you know, our teacher tells us to sit for 10 minutes, walk for 10 minutes, sit for 10 minutes, and we can do that. Maybe we're up to 15 minutes walking, 15 minutes sitting, 20 minutes walking, 20 minutes. And then suddenly we have to sit still for an hour and a half, two hours sometimes, with all the ceremonies and so on. Patience is the worst, simply having to bear with things, and to the point where people often accuse us of torturing ourselves, you know, sitting through pain. When you sit still and then pain arises, you know, the normal thought is to shift, you know, get yourself some more pillows, one under this leg, one under that leg, one behind your back, to the point where you you're, might as well be lying down. And when we tell them not to, we say, you know, try your best to sit still, to... Um, you know, if you have to prop yourself, your legs up in the beginning. I, went, I had one student who started on the floor, he was doing really good, and then the second day he put a pillow 
then the third day two pillows under his legs, and then the next, the fourth day another pillow. And I said to him, you know, look, the, the object really is to go down, not to go up. The object is to, to become more tolerant, not less tolerant. It's like you're just trying to find the perfect position, and then when some pain comes up, you think, okay, i got to add another pillow, and then more pain, and i got to add more. And people say, oh, you, you're, you're bearing with the pain, that's torture, that's wrong practice, that's against the Buddha's teaching. And this, we have to vehemently deny this. This is not, someone who teaches this way is not looking out for your best interest. And it's not going according to the Buddha's teaching. When they tell you you have to adjust, you have to move, you have to avoid all pain. It's very clear from the Buddha's teaching that you have to put up with pain even to the point that it might kill you. If you really want to become free from suffering, you have to be willing to put up with even deadly pain. Because that's what we're faced with. In the end, deadly pain is, is, is on our horizon. That may be how we die, in, in deadly pain. And if we're not able to bear with it now, and surely the pain when we die will be much worse. And if we can't bear with it, we'll have to take drugs and we die in a muddled state. And who knows where we end up. But, but for sure we end up attached and clinging because we haven't let go. Patience is so important because it helps you to let go. Patience is the, 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 letting, the ultimate letting go. It's saying to yourself, I can bear with this. I can live with this. I can accept this reality. It's accepting reality for what it is. I don't need some other other state of reality to make me happy. It's the, it's contentment. I always think of contentment as this wonderful, like the the crown jewel of existence. If you could only be content with whatever comes. It's, it's, the Buddha said it's the ultimate uh, treasure. The ultimate wealth. The greatest wealth is contentment. And I think that's so true. Because there's nothing we can get that's ever going to satisfy us. There's no object that we can get that's ever going to satisfy us. Except contentment. When we can be content with things as they are. Because reality is singular. You only have one reality. It's this. It's where you are now. And every moment you have two choices. Accepting it or not accepting it. Accepting it or needing something else. Clinging. When you're finally content with things as they are and you don't require any specific reality, this is the, the ultimate ultimate wealth. And so patience is, is the highest form of, of, of torture and this is because it leads to contentment. It leads you to accept. The word actually the Buddha uses is tapa. And tapa means <coughs> to burn or it means heat. Uh, but it was used in India to mean austerity and torturing yourself and so on. 
but if you think about it, what is it doing? Is it's burning up. It's burning up the evil inside. It's burning up the unwholesomeness, the, the things that are causing you suffering. It's another thing, when we talk about evil in Buddhism, we don't mean you know, God says it's evil, or I say it's evil, or Buddha says it's evil. It means it's something that hurts you, something that causes suffering for you, something that only leads to your detriment. It's a pretty selfish sort of thing. There's nothing that's evil except leads to your detriment. <coughs> and how we get avo avoid the selfishness is because uh, you know, anything that hurts anyone else also leads to your detriment. It can't help you to hurt someone else. So there's no, no need to worry about being selfish in Buddhism. People say, you're sitting in meditation, what are you doing for other people? You know, what are you doing to help the world? It's what you're not doing, really. In one sense, it's what you're not doing. That is of most benefit. You're not going out there and yelling at people and, and fighting with people and you know, grabbing for power. And, and you know, think of what other what people do when they go, when they when they get together. Think of what we do when we get together. Half the time, it's unwholesome. More than half the time. You know, clinging and you know, posturing. When we sit in meditation, what are we doing? We're purifying our mind. So on the one hand, we're not hurting anyone, and that's a good thing. But on the other hand, we're doing something equally important. We're preparing ourselves. We're changing the, the, the makeup of our minds. We're, we're changing the way we look at things. We're changing the way we react, we react to things. It's, it's amazing to me that anyone could say that you know, meditating is being lazy and I, I think I understand why, it's because they don't understand what is meditation, but if you understood what meditation was, it would be incredible to think that somehow it was, not, it was unbeneficial, that it was selfish, that it wasn't going to help anybody else for you to sit on a pillow and meditate. Because it's an incredible benefit to everyone you come in contact to in contact with. Excuse me. You meditate. You practice. You learn. You understand. You're patient. And all of those skills that you gain from the meditation you bring out into the world around you. Meditation is the beginning of your life. It's not the end of it. Meditation is what leads to, it should be the source of all of your actions, should be the meditative mind. Just like the source of water, the spring flowing down into the stream and the stream flowing down into the lake. And if the source is pure, the stream is pure and the lake is pure. But if the source is is defiled, is impure. Then the river is impure, the stream is impure, and the lake 
can't help but be impure. It means everything we do and say and how we interact with the world around us is based on the mind. This is the source. When our mind is impure, everything we do and say is going to be based on that impurity. We're going to hurt other people, we're going to hurt ourselves. So when people say meditation is only, only for yourself or so on, you know, meditation is a benefit to everyone, <coughs> even our own meditation. I don't want to go in too far. Yeah, I think I've gone on long enough. So I'm just going to wrap it up there. I, I, I didn't want to um, you know, go into too much detail about the Buddha's teaching, but just try to get idea of what is Buddhism. It's a religion where we bind ourselves to these practices. We, we make a resolution in ourselves that we're going to work and we're going to base our lives on these principles of not hurting other people, not, not doing evil deeds, trying our best to do good deeds to help other people and to help ourselves and to purification of our minds. So this is why we're here tonight. We're here to practice these teachings. It becomes a religion for us when we say this is what we, how we want to live our lives and there's no need to make it a religion if you want to just try it and people want to do it as a hobby or so on and there's no need to call yourself Buddhist but there's no need to be afraid of calling yourself Buddhist at least in your own mind at least internally you can say to yourself that you're Buddhist and you don't have to accept this or that tradition or this or that culture you accept these three principles and you're Buddhist So especially this one, the third one, this is what we're focusing on here. This is what we're here together to do. We're here to, to purify our minds, to purify our understanding of ourselves and the world around us. And we start with our formal meditation practice, which we can then take out into our daily lives. And in our daily lives we can apply these principles of being mindful, of knowing what we're doing, of seeing things for what they are, no more, no less. This is what we're training ourselves here. So I thank everyone for coming and now we'll go right into the practical uh, section, segment. First we'll do mindful prostration, then walking, and then sitting.